chapter 4 with me. And all the time, I y'all wait for it. God is good. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to continue uh, with the third part of our message, Set the Stage. We're going to jump into the third part, and we're going to continue with the prophet by the name of, anyone know his name? Elisha, amen. Elisha with the S, not with the J. All right, let's, 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 uh, let's pray really quick. Lord, we thank you for today. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. And we praise you, Lord. Lord, that we would know you, that we would love you, that we would humble ourselves before your presence. And we thank you for this season as a reminder to us that Christmas is all about God coming in the flesh in his son as a child that day. In that manger you were born. In humility you came. In humility you died on the cross. And in glory you raised from the dead. And today you sit at the right hand of the Father and we come freely and glorify your name. Church, understand that if Christmas would have never happened, we would have never been here today. And Lord, we thank you because we want more of Christ. Chris, miss, mas de Cristo. We want more of you, Jesus. We praise you. We honor you. It's in your precious name. Bless this word today. And to the other we say, can you give God some praise today like you love him? Amen. Set the stage three. We're going to jump into 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start off in verse 18. Just flow with me. John Piper said this. If you're familiar with John Piper, he says, Christmas uh, is an indictment before it becomes a delight. It will not have its intended effect until we feel desperately the need for a savior. John Piper said that, and I totally agree with him. Where Christmas, it could just uh, become a ritual, and it could just become a traditional holiday like we seem for it to be. And Christmas could just mean what everything else means, just what a normal day means. But Piper says it awesome when he says it becomes a delight. When we desperately feel and understand that we need a Savior. And today I tell you that that Savior is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Most High. Amen for him. In 2 Kings chapter 4, as we jump into verse 18, just a little summary of what's happened here. We, we've looked at some key things that's taken place. And we saw that um, there was this woman, a Shunammite woman who was married to an older gentleman, and she could not have a child because of that reason, okay? And um, she was in her inn, and Elisha would pass in and out of town. And one day she told um, her husband, how about we make some room? You guys remember the story? The husband said, cool, I'm cool with that. So they had pe there were people of money, so they had extra space in their house, which wasn't um, normal and custom in those days, the houses that were made in those days. So, so they made a house that was big enough, and, and, and this house had some extra room, and they put a bed with a table and a chair where Elisha the prophet, as he would come in, would be able to rest and sit there and kind of make that place his home. And last week we talked about setting the stage to, to make room for God. And we said that because, set the stage because God is what? Yeah, God is ready. Amen. For all of you there. All right. And then we continued 
There's a special grace to do this every Sunday. All right, let's keep going. There's a, there's a, and then we continue in the story. And as we continue in the story, um, you see what happens that Elisha is laying down in bed one day and says, whoa, it just hit me. I've been eating from this lady's food every day. I've been eating out of her bin. Uh, any of you have any friends like that? That go home and you hide the stuff that you just bought at the supermarket? Oh, my God, they're coming over. They're coming over. They're coming over. Because you know what kind of friends they are. They're the ones that just walk right in. They open the fridge. They take out the two liter. They take out the cookies that you just bought and you wanted with ice cream. And then, and then they're there and you're just like, my gosh, every time they come, they eat. Anyone have any friends like that? All right, yeah, be real. Be true. Don't lie to me. And then... He's like, oh, my God, I come, I eat from her bin, I eat from her food, I drink all her drinks, and I've never asked her what she wants from me. I know the king, I know, I know the president, I know, I know the government. Maybe she wants something. And, and, and he goes, woman, what do you want? You know, I'm sorry that I have never asked her. And she looks and says, I'm good. I don't need to meet with the king, and I don't need any special privileges. As a matter of fact, I have money, and I live among my people. If I need something, my neighbors give me. This is my family. I don't really need anything. Then Gehazi, his servant, comes in and says, Master, she's lying. He's like, what do you mean she's lying? He goes, she's a liar. What she really needs is a son. She desires a son, and she can't have a son because her husband's old and things ain't working. So, so, she, so he goes, I got this. I know what we could give her. God, come on, come through. So God... God, God God's going to get her. So she comes in, and we all know the story. I don't want to re-preach it. Woman, by this time next year, you're going to have a child in your hand. And she looks at him and says, you got to shut up and stop messing with me. Because everyone has told me that, and I've gone everywhere for help, and no one has been able to help me. And I've been barren all these years, and now you think that you have a special potion that's going to make me pregnant. He's like, just trust me. By this time next year, you're going to have a child. So we talked about that, and we talked about set the stage because God is ready. He wants to do a miracle. He wants to do a blessing. He wants to, most importantly, it's not all about you, believe me or not. He wants to be glorified. He wants to be glorified. So, so what happens is they have the child, and, and then in verse 18, where we're going to pick up today, check this out with me uh, as, we, as we just go through Scripture and have a, a, a wonderful, jolly old time this Christmas morning. Amen? All right. Verse 18 I'm in the wrong chapter. Chapter 4, here we go. And the child grew. The blessing grew. The promise grew. Hey, let me ask you guys a question here. Has a, I'm killing an ant on the floor. Okay. Let me ask you guys a question here. Has God ever blessed you and the blessing grown? It's just grown. You're like, man, God's really blessing me. This blessing is just growing. It's multiplying. Anyone, any, it's cool. Humble yourself, but show your hands. All right, all right, stop, stop, stop. Now, no, no, here we go. The, the blessing grew. The child grew. The Let's say it this way. The promise grew. The what, church? All right, you're alive. Here we go. And it says this in verse 18. And it happened one day that he went out to the father to the reapers, well, what's a reaper? You know, killers, grim reaper? No, no, no. Reaper is those who worked out in the field. These were called harvesters, okay? The ones that would harvest the field at the, during these times were called the reapers, all right? We're all, we're all together. They were just harvesting the fields, the reapers. And it says here in verse 19, and he said to his father, Dad, I'm just paraphrasing here, kind of giving it modern translation. Dad, I have a headache. Look what he says, my head, my head, my, my, my head is thumping, my head hurts. I don't know whether it was really cold during those days and his head was just hurting or the sun was just beaming on him. Why? Because he's out in the field with his father. He's working in the ground. I, I want you to read scripture for what scripture is saying. And as he's, 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 he's tending the ground and he's harvesting and he's putting stuff in the buckets, he stops for a second. He says, pops, 
And you could almost see his dad saying, what's up, son? He's older now. Remember, the blessing grew. The promise grew. The son is older. He's working with dad. And he says, Poppy, that's the Hylian kid. But dad, my, my head hurts. My head, my head. And, and dad didn't really think anything. He's like, oh, my son's so weak. You know, whatever. Pobrecito, he's growing in this. Look what happens here. What verse are we on? 19. You're wrong. Here we go. Ready? So he said to the servant, I got lost. Thank you. So he said to the servant, carry him to where? His mom. Yeah. His mom. Because mom just has a touch, right? Moms? 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 Amen. You just have a touch? All three moms? Amen. All right. The rest of you guys need work, but moms just have this touch. Send him to mom. This shows me something here. The dad was like, ah, it's just a headache from the sun. He's just kind of frail. He, he's not really a good worker like us. Just take him home. Mom will make him some lemonade. He'll be, he'll be fine. He just needs some Advil. Take him to mom. So, so verse 19, they carry him to his mom. And then verse 20, when they take him in, look what it says next. As they took him in, uh, verse 20, they brought him to his mom. He sat on her knees till noon. And then what, church? Oh, this is serious here. Just little paper jammy notes. And then he died. I just want you to catch this. He's working in the field with dad. He, he gets a headache. Send him to mom to get some lemonade. He goes to mom. And then automatically, boom, he's died. Now, now, what's going on here? This is the child. Church, I need you to catch this. This is the promise. This was a, the child of prayer. The child of promise. This was the one that was given in love. And Matthew Henry says it awesome. And now he's taken away. The one who was given is now taken. And then we look at scripture that says, oh, you are the one that, that gives unto me and you are the one that takes from me. And, and you read these things and you say, but not my child. But not my son, my job, my house, my... But, but, but you give me my child, but don't take my child. And, and you see what this woman is going through. Now, 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 church, I don't know if anyone here has ever lost a child, but if you have, I'm sorry for, for, for preaching this message, but... But just imagine the pain what this woman's going through here. Imagine the anguish. Imagine the hurt. Not only that, guys, but can you imagine the confusion that this woman's going through? I don't understand. This is the child that the prophet promised me. Why did it die on me? Let me ask you a question. You all raised your hand. Um, that something, and it's, you've seen it multiply. You've seen it grow, and it grew the blessing. A lot of you raised your hand. Now, have you seen this part? Of God's blessing. Have you seen that thing which God has blessed you with just one day from another? Just stop and he takes it away from you and say, what happened? Anyone here ever felt that before? Yeah. I mean, just, just watch this. You could just imagine what the mom is feeling here. When he, when he comes in and her servant brings the child to mom and mom takes him. And the Bible says puts him on her lap like a good mom would. And you could almost picture what the mom's going through. Surely nothing's wrong. Everything is well. I'll just give him some medicine and everything will work out and he'll be fine. He'll go back to work later on in a couple hours back with dad. Just come over here and, and lay on my lap. Take a little nap. You took the medicine already. Go to sleep. You could almost picture the mom doing this. And then out of nowhere as she's... Guys, just think about this. As he's laying on her lap and he's there... She's there, like, Papi, you know, I'll give you a cookie. I'll give you a little, you know, just. I'm Cuban, man. I don't know how to say that in English. I'll give you tickles. And, and he's, she's grooming him. And out of nowhere, she realizes that she's no he's no longer 
coming up on her leg anymore. It just stops. She looks and says, man, this kid is in a deep sleep. I've never seen this kid. Papo. And she starts poking at his head just to picture what's going on here. She's like, uh-oh. She checks his heartbeat. She checks his nose, his mouth, no breath, no heartbeat. And she realizes right here for the first time, my son is dead. The promise is dead. Anybody have some broken promises? My child is dead. The one who was given is taken away. Look at verse 21. And let's just keep reading. I don't want to stay there forever. It says, and she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God. She shut the door and she left. She went out. I, I love this. Put him on the bed. Close the door. I got to go. She, she, didn't, she didn't dig uh, the ground. She didn't call the funeral. She didn't call her relatives. She says, let's just put him in the bed. I'm going to close up this door, but I got to go. And then let's keep flowing here. Verse 22. It says, then she called out to her husband. And she said, please, husband. Get me out of here. Send me with one of your young men to help me out here. Send me on one of the donkeys so that I could run to the man of God and that I could come back. And the husband tells the wife, why are you going to see the prophet Elisha today? Why are you going? Listen, listen, church. Come on. It's neither the new moon. It's not even the Sabbath. And she says, hey, listen, honey, everything's okay. I just want to go check him out. Notice what she's doing. She's not even telling her husband what happened. She doesn't want her husband to get worried. She doesn't want her husband to get in the way from seeing the prophet. So she's like, everything's cool. I just want to go see Elisha. And, and, and the husband's like, but it's not the Sabbath and it's not new moon. Why? Because during these days, it was custom, it was normal for people to go visit the prophets during special days, which was the, in the first of the month and on Sabbaths, and it was neither. And he's wondering, why in the world do you want to see him? It's kind of equivalent to if your wife comes up to you to one day and you're about to eat dinner. She says, honey, I got to run out of here, okay? I got to run. I got to go to church and I got to meet with the pastor. like, why? There's no service today. It's not Sunday. And it's not a Wednesday service. There's no reason for you to go. He's like, it's everything's cool. Just trust me. I got to go. Just don't get in my way. Let's keep going. But she needs his blessing. And in verse 24, she saddled a donkey, and she looks at the servant, and she says, drive, go forward. This is translated for this. Ready? Hurry up. Get there fast. Move fast. Do not slack. Do, do not slow down for, for me unless I tell you. Don't worry that I'm a woman. Don't, don't worry that I'm a girl and you got to be sensitive. You just take off on this donkey, and we dip to where we got to go. Just, just make it quick, okay? And, and that's what's happening in verses 21 through 24. She was not going to worry her husband. She was not going to worry anyone around her. She just needed to get to the man of God. And then in verse 25, it says she left and she went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her, he told his servant Gehazi, if you remember him from last week, look, the Shunammite woman, look at her, she's coming. Crazy lady, what is she doing over here? Verse 26, Gehazi, go, go, please run to her now, meet her, and say to her, if everything is okay, translated better, is it well with you? 
Is everything okay with your husband? And is everything okay with your child? So here's Gehazi. All right, I got you, Elisha. And he runs to the woman. Hey, the prophet wants to know, is everything okay with your husband? Is everything okay with your child? Is everything okay with you? And she looks at Gehazi and says what to him? Everything's cool. Everything is okay, she says uh, to him. Everything's fine in verse 26. It is well. And then 27 goes on and it unfolds and it says, Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet and Gehazi came near. You can almost picture what happened, right? Everything's good. Get out of my way. And she runs to the prophet Elisha. She throws herself on his feet and she hugs his feet. And he's looking at her like, this lady's going crazy. And then Gehazi's running after her and he says, Master, I'm sorry. She pushed me out of the way. She didn't want to even talk to me. she just barged in for a meeting. And, 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 and look, what, look, what, look at the conversation that goes on here as we're going to get to the meat of the message. It goes on and it says this in, in verse 27. As Gehazi was about to push her away from Elisha, Elisha says this, Leave her alone. Her soul is in deep distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and he has not told me anything. Leave the woman alone. And she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not tell you, Elisha, don't you mess with me? Man, you could feel her pain. Are you guys with me? Man of God, you you told me I was going to be with son. He got a little old and now he dies. It was better if you would have never given me a son than to feel this pain, is what she's saying. You should have never given him to me. Why allow a mother to go through something like this? That's what she's telling him. But we only get the short version. But you better believe she was screaming at him as a mother. Mamas, you would know you would be screaming at the one who promised that. I heard an awesome story on the way over here. I don't know if any of you listen to Christian radio of a woman who's celebrating Christmas for the first time without her child. She had just led worship service at her church. She gets in her car, crashes, massive accident, dies, and the woman is upset with God, and she started to go to a Christian counselor, and the counselor says, it's okay, just vent to God. If you're mad at God, let him know how mad you are. And she said for years she would drive to work every morning screaming at God, why did you take away my child? Why did you let my daughter die? And she says, I was so mad at God. See, notice this. This woman wasn't like, prophet, thou tricketh me. No, no, she was like, you idiot. Yeah. And probably worse, but we're going to be okay today. You You're nothing but a jerk. You lied to me. I hate your living guts. I wish you would have died instead of my child. Maybe she said things like that. I'm sure the woman that lost her daughter after that worship service was saying, God, why would you do that? You should have killed me instead. But you took my, who do you think you are? Because sometimes we just feel like we can't do that. And we feel like we could just blame God. And then... Here's Gehazi listening to all this. And 29 says, then he said to her, get yourself ready. He saw the anguish. He, he saw the pain. And he says, son, get yourself ready. Get my staff and go, 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 go. And if you meet anyone on the way, they want to stop you for some gas. They want to stop you. And you see someone, t- just take, you know what Elisha saying? I want you to take every toll on the way. Don't worry about paying it. Trust me, I'll do a miracle. I'll erase the funds. It's going to be okay. Like, just take every toll on the way to the house, he says. 
Every single one. I prove it to you right here. He says, he says, get yourself ready. Take my staff. Be on your way. If you meet anyone, don't greet him. If anyone greets you, do not even answer him. But you go to that child and you lay my staff on the face of that child. You, you go over there right now because this woman's in a lot of pain. Her child has just died. Her promise has been taken from her. Go, Gehazi. And I love this. Ready? Verse 30 says, and the mother of the child said this. As the Lord lives. And as your... And as your soul, like Gehazi, you're going to have to die before you even, as your soul lives and as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So it says here that Elisha arose and he followed this woman. I, I, I'm just seeing the pain. I'm just seeing the anguish here. Elisha did not foresee what had happened. As she's running to him, she says, what is this crazy lady doing? Gehazi's like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? He's like... Go see what's going on because the Lord has kept it from me. I love that because it shows me something about man. It shows me that man is never and will never be omniscient, that only God is omniscient. And we as men need to depend on God's revelation and on God's word to know what's going on. Hey, listen, listen, don't wait for a vision and don't wait for a prophet to speak into your life. And don't wait for gold dust to fall from the ceiling. You seek God's revelation through his word. You seek God's revelation. Only God knows the past, the present, the future. God knows all things from all things. And he looks at Gehazi and he says, God kept this one from me. I didn't read that page. I didn't catch that one. Go check her out. I love the mom's attitude though. She's in pain. She screamed at the dude. I'm going to get somewhere. I promise you, I really am. I try to every Sunday. Today I'll try a little bit harder since it's Christmas Sunday. But watch this. She's getting somewhere here and she's like, I need you to come with me. I want you to catch this in this story. The mom was not making room for death. Listen, listen. The mom was not making room for death. Are you guys with me? Because my Bible shows me she was not making room for death. Listen, church. She set the stage. She made some room some time back. Remember? For Elisha, for her child, for her blessing. And now she wasn't going to let it go. She wasn't going to let go. And she wasn't definitely not going to let go of God's prophet until she saw the promise that was given to her be made alive again. Listen, she wasn't making room for death. Master, master, I want your close and I want your close and personal attention. I'm not leaving you right here. Let me, let me explain to you what this is talking about here. Ready? Listen. She makes no preparation for a funeral ever in this passage. But she makes every preparation for a resurrection. Come on, someone. Come on, man. Come on. You, you, should, you should give God some praise. Because I, I just want you to get what's going on here. My son died. And here's your attitude. Ready? Heck no. Heck no. Not a dream my watch. He's not. Put him in the room. He's not dead. Honey, what's wrong with you? I got to go. Where are you going? It's not that. I'm leaving. He gets to Gehazi. Gehazi's like, woman, you can't get to him yet. You have to come through me. Listen, I don't care what you say. Everything's cool. Get out of my way. And goes and falls at his feet and says, unless you come with me, I ain't letting you go. As sure as your soul is, I ain't, I ain't letting you go. She made no room for a resurrection. All her preparation was ready for a resurrection. This is good stuff here. Let's keep going here. Now Gehazi went ahead of her. Verse 31. Laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. So he went back to meet Elisha, and he says, Elisha, the child has not awakened. Uh, let's kind of um, modernize this. The child is still what? 
Yeah, dead. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child. He was lying dead on Elisha's bed. I love that because Elisha's attitude is like, first off, you're dead. Second, you're on my bed. There's a problem here, okay? No, I'm just joking. Probably not that attitude. But watch this. And he went in there for, and he shut the door behind the two of them. Let me explain to you what's happened here. He gets to the house. Where's the husband? Nowhere to be found. Guess what he's still doing? Working. Don't even bring him. Get my, uh, get my promise back to beat again. Come on. So, so Elisha comes into the room. Shut the door. Can I come in? No. Woman, get out and with my servants. Stay outside. Think about that. I'm his mama. I'm his mama. You better let me know. I don't need anyone in here. I need faith to activate in here really quick. Just watch what's about to happen here. He kicks everyone out. He closes the door. And, and, and then it goes on and it says this. This is so weird but yet so awesome. And I'm almost scared to do this. But can you imagine if God caused you to do this? He went up and he laid on top of the child. He put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became what? Everyone say, weird. Yeah. This dude laid on top of the child. (laughs) Hands on hands, mouth on mouth. Why do you think he told the mom to get out? father and a preacher man comes into my room to try to resurrect my son and lays on top of my son and then puts his mouth on my son's mouth and then puts his hands on my son's hands and eyes on my son's hands I'm coming in with a sonic boom right to the gut and I'm kicking him off and he's gonna smash into the wall and I'm gonna crush his skull listen you're not putting your mouth on my child's mouth I don't care if he's dead or alive so he's like you need to shut the you should need to shut the door because because God's calling me to do something that you might not agree with and it's true, sometimes God calls us to do things that others don't agree with. And God says, just shut the door and glorify me. I could get so many preachers off this, but I don't want to do that today. But let's keep going. He returned and he walked back and forth in the house again. I love this, ready? He comes out of the house. The woman's like, is he alive? He's like, no, he just got a little warm, but nothing. And, and notice what the Bible says. He's walking back and forth. What do you guys think he's doing? Come on. Praying, Praying or what? Lord, you better do something because this woman's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't praying. Don't act holy. That dude was nervous because if that kid would not have resurrected, what was he going to tell the woman? I don't know. The God gave you a promise. He took away your promise. I don't know what to tell you. He gives and takes away. You never read that scripture? <laughs> but instead, he's pacing back and forth. He's nervous. He's sweating. And he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Now, now let's keep going here. It says this. He walked back and forth in the house, and then he says, I got to try one more time. One more time. Everyone say one more time. Because man, 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 listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You know what? You know what? You know what? The biggest failure, the biggest failure is the one that doesn't go one more time. Is the one that doesn't try one more time. Is the one that doesn't put his hand one more time. Is the one that doesn't say, I'm going to try it again for God. Is the one that says, well, you know what, it didn't work last time, so maybe God's not. It's the one that continues to put the, the work in. It's the one that says, you know what, whether Christ be glorified or whether people mock me, I'm going to continue to do this. And, and he goes, you know what, I'm going to try one more time. So I love this. Watch this. He returned, walked back and forth again. He went up. He stretched himself out again. And then guess what happened? The child sneezes seven times. And then the child opens up his eyes and he says, yes, it worked. And he goes, Gehazi, come in here. And he says, call the mama. So he called the mom. And when she came into him, he said, pick up your son. You could almost see him, right? He went from this, oh my God, to, 
Pick your son up. He's alive, baby. And you could almost see his attitude change. You could almost see his confidence come in now. So watch this. She went in. She fell at his feet. She bowed to the ground. When she was done glorifying, she said, all right, I'm done. She picked up her son, and I'm out of here. Let's go. We're going to have, what do you want, ice cream today? You want a syrup? You want double, triple sugar on that donut? Whatever you want, today you get it. That's what she went out to. She went ahead. She almost lost her son. She went to go get whatever she wanted. Let's go. Toys R Us. Ten toys? You got ten toys today. Let's go out. What do you mean she went out? She went out to spoil the son that almost died. Who are you lying to? Moms, you know what I'm talking about. I wish you did. You could almost see her. Thank God I didn't let go. Because Elisha, your servant couldn't do junk. Thank God I didn't let go. Can you imagine she would have let go of Elisha? Can you imagine if at the last moment when God's about to do the greatest miracle in your life, you let go of God? Come on, man, someone. Can you imagine that God's like, your breakthrough, your miracle, your... Yeah, right, but you've been saying that for years. Yeah, but you never know if it's a year and one day. It's right around the corner. It's right there. But you just so happen that at the last minute, you let go of God. You, you let go and you say, well, not today, God. I'm not having it. I'm not with this. And you let go of God and God says, oh, you were this close for your blessing. You were this close for your miracle. You could have had it, but you let me go. But she says, I ain't letting you go. As a matter of fact, I'm holding on to you, and you better come back with me. And, and, and you could almost see this. And then he puts his mouth on his mouth. Let me tell you, let me go back to that real quick. What is this stuff symbolic for? I, I, I love the whole thing about how the prophet, um, um, servant couldn't do anything. If you guys remember in the, in the book of Luke chapter 9, the disciples couldn't do anything. Demons, come out. Demons, come out. Demons, come out. And they're like, this is not working. And the people... We're like, we're so upset. So they run to Jesus, and in Luke chapter 9, it says, your disciples stink. They prayed over these, this, my son, who was filled with demons, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus, Jesus, being so awesome, looks at them and says, serious? You frail and weak and timid. You lack faith generation. You couldn't cast out the demons. He says, demons, just get out already. And <laughs> showing you how there's just some things that it's God's hands. And he puts his mouth on his mouth. Well, what does this mean? Listen, listen. Wow, weird was that? I'm going to tell you because all of the Old Testament points to what's happening in the New Testament. Mouth to the mouth was the, a picture of restoring breath back into the individual. Eyes to the eyes was the picture of restoring sight. Because you know what the Bible says? He that has no vision will what? Perish. And Elisha knew that if I put my eyes on him, if I put vision back into this child, he'll live again. It was a perfect picture for putting sight and restoring sight. Hands on hands. The kid was dead. It was an awesome picture of restoring strength back into the child. And he stretches himself on top of the child. That is a perfect picture of what the Holy Spirit does to us in the New Testament. It stretches and it falls over our lives. And only when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, then we are made alive. And we sneeze seven times for goodness sakes. Not really, but you get the whole seven and the whole symbolism behind seven. We don't have to go into that. You know, in Hebrews chapter 19, verse 17, 18, and 19. Can, can I read that to you really quick? It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Quick question before I continue. Did the Shunammite um, son, did he live or die? Okay, let's come back to Abraham now. Just keep that in your mind. 
By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up his son Isaac. Listen, listen. This is Old Testament. This is Genesis talking about, again, in Hebrews. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. What? Guys, guys, you know the story of Abraham? Can I skip that whole story? His only son, his, his son, the promise, the son of promise, he lays him on the altar. He's about to kill him. And right when he's about to kill him, God says, stop. And he's like, what? And he's like, go over there. There's your sacrifice. Let your son live. I just want to see your heart and see if you're really going to do it. But, but notice what's going to happen here. God told him, go ahead and sacrifice Isaac, your only son. And look at verse 18, Hebrews 19. It says, through Isaac shall your offspring, Abraham, be named. I love that. Through Isaac, Isaac is going to have another one. Jacob, Jacob's name is going to turn Israel. Israel is going to become a mighty nation. And Abraham, they are going to talk about you for the rest of of the world, Abraham is you're going to be mentioned forever. Hey, we still preach on Abraham. That's the promise right there, Hebrews. And verse 19 says, he considered that God was able. Everyone say he's able. Even to raise him, Isaac, from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Never did Isaac really die? The should of my woman's son die, but never did he really die. God resurrected him. Here's Isaac on the altar, did not die. As a matter of fact, he comes back to his servants. He said, prepare it because me and my son are coming back. And when he walks down, he's like, I told you we weren't going to kill my son. Because God, you see, the son is alive. The, the son's not dead. I, I put him on the altar and he was going to die, but, but the son is alive. And then here's the should of my woman. Oh, 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 Elisha, my son is dead. And Elisha comes in and he... Does the whole weird mouth-to-mouth -mouth kind of thing. And then he opens up the doors. And he says, your son's not dead. Your, your son is alive. Who said the son is dead? And, and Abraham is saying the same thing that, that, that the Shunammite woman is saying. That the son's not dead, but the son is alive. The, the son is not dead, but the son is alive. And then in John chapter 4, there was a nobleman that heard about Jesus. Are you guys with me? I need you to catch this because I'm going to get to the, the, the bound part of my hill, the message. And it says here that the nobleman in chapter four of John 46 says he came again Jesus to Cana of Galilee where they made water into wine there was a certain nobleman listen whose son was sick at Capernaum you know what that word sick means his son was about to die in another city where he lived now watch this when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea he went to him I love this ready he left Capernaum which was a far distance from Galilee. And he walked from Capernaum to Cana of Galilee. And he took a long walk. Listen. Because he knew that if I just set the stage, a miracle could happen to my son. I need you to catch this. The son is dying in the bed. The nobleman comes to Jesus and says to Jesus, My son, come down to my house and heal him. For he is at the point of death. And Jesus says to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said, sir, come before my child. What? Man, what's up with everyone dying? What's up with this? My son, before he dies. And Jesus says, now go. I, I love this. I was telling people this the other day. I, I love this because Jesus is like, I ain't walking back over there. That's a long walk. You just go. And on your way over there, your son's going to be healed. I don't need to go. My word is good enough. Just go. And, and, and Jesus says, go your way. Your son what? Not dies, but what? Yes. 
So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. He went his way, and as he was going down, his servant was running towards him and says, Your son lives! Your son lives! Your son lives! Yeah, just like that, trust me. And they said, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said, Your son lives. And he believed, and his whole household believed and got saved. And this again is the second sign Jesus did where he had come out of Judea into Galilee. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into something. Uh, I'm going to get somewhere. Church, church. Set the stage as if the son lives. But my promise is dying. My, my son is dying. My son is in the top of the room dead. And, and, and my son is on the altar about to die. You see it in the Shunammite. You see it in the nobleman. And you see it in Abraham's life. My son is dying. But church, we set the stage as if he lives. Come on, listen. We, we, we set the stage because the promise was given. If it's not working the way you thought, huh? Things in life don't work the way we think. Well, I'm going to ask you the next question. For who, for what are you setting the stage for? Is it for Jesus? Because if it's for Jesus, then you continue, you trust, you keep believing. Because if what you're doing is for Jesus, then it has a purpose behind it. And it will be to glorify him. I tell you today, there's a promise. And your promise is not dead. Your hope is not dead. Your comfort is not dead. Your savior is not dead. Your child, Shunammite woman, is not dead. Your child, noble man, is not dead. Your son, Abraham, is not dead. Trust me that I, the Lord, your God, tell you today that the biggest promise that I've ever given you it's not dead set the stage it's alive you see this in all these instances and I could have given you so much more but I want to jump now to the Christmas story in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 26 if you're there with me it says this just follow with me when you're there give me an amen I'll take an amen And now I'm going to wrap it up real soon. In the sixth month, Elizabeth was pregnant, Mary's sister. God sent the angel to Nazareth in the village of Galilee. In verse 27, he sent her to a virgin named what, church? Okay, 27. Mary. Mary was engaged. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Descendant to the king, David. So Gabriel appears to Mary. And he says, greetings, Mary. You are favored. You are a favored woman. And the Lord is with you. Mary is flipping out. She's confused, the Bible shows us. She's actually filled and she's disturbed. And she tries to think what the angel could mean. And in verse 30, look at the angel scene. Mary, all confused, says, don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son. And church, you will name his name what? Verse 32. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of the ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. This is good stuff. And his kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen, sir? I'm a virgin. It's never been done before. And God's like, because you don't know the God that gave me this message and the business that he's in. He does things that 
when you think it's impossible, he says, well, all things are possible in me, that I could make a virgin get pregnant and have birth, all while still saying, I still haven't been with man. I could do things that people around you will think you're crazy because you won't have the words to explain how I did the miracle, but all you got to understand is that God put his hand into it, and God created something out of nothing because last week we talked about we serve a God who out of nothings creates somethings, and here's Mary, and he's like, I have nothing, and the angel says, but I serve something, and I serve the one who is able. And something amazing happens here. The angel says, the Holy Spirit, let me tell you how this is going to happen since you're all confused here. There's this thing called the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and he's going to come upon you eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hands to hands. And listen to this. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And you want to know what else is going to happen? You know your cousin? You know your relative, Elizabeth? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's old. Yeah, I know she's old. And in her old age, she's also going to have a, 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 a son. It's going to be Jesus' cousin. Look, look at this. People used to say that your cousin Elizabeth was barren, that she would never have a child. But she's going to conceive. She's actually conceived a son. She's in her sixth month. And Mary, I'm going to tell you something today about our God. Nothing is impossible with the one whose message I hold today. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary's pregnant. You're about to get pregnant. Verse 38. And Mary says, well, Gabriel, that's a cool angel by the way. I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you've said to me come true then, if that's what you say. And that's all the angel needed to hear and left. Let me tell you guys something here. There was a promise that was given to Mary. You will conceive and you will give birth to none other than the son of the most high. Hey, no pressure. Can you imagine that? My wife walks around like this. You know, you hit her by accident. She's like, oh, the baby. I'm like, he's not going to die. It's going to be okay. I turn around in the bed. I hit her belly. Boom. Oh, Jackson. And I'm like, it's okay. Imagine Mary walking around. Just don't touch me. Don't touch me. I hold the son of the most high. Ain't no pressure, Mary. In your belly is the son of God. You think about that. I can't let anything happen to him. He's going to sit on David's throne one day. He's going to save the world. I can't do. Imagine the pressure. Man, poor Mary at a young age had it bad. Had it really bad. Oh, just in case there wasn't enough pressure, Mary, he will be holy. And not only that, but he will be the son of God and he will reign over Israel. And oh, Mary, his kingdom will never end. Yep, definitely. A promise given to Mary. Yep, there was definitely a lot of pressure right there. A lot of pressure. Have you ever looked at that scripture like that? And I'm telling you today, church, better yet, there was a promise that was given to you and I just like it was given to Mary. That our lives were dirty and sinful and immoral and godless. That our lives were filled with hatred and jealousies and bitterness. We were in a darkened world, but not only were we part of a darkened world, we, were, we, we existed in it and we partook of this perverse and darkened world. And there was no room for us to make things right. Anyone here could admit that? There was no rooms in my life to allow things to get better. We were corrupt by birth and by nature itself. There was sin in us. Our clothes were clothed of unrighteousness. I'm telling you today that no one in this room is exempt from being a sinful person. 
No one in this room. You sit here today and you think, well, I was good at one point in my life. Listen, that's a lie. You've never been good. You've done good things, but deep down to your core, there was never any good found in you. Can all the people that know that say amen? I hope I'm preaching to a church that hears the truth every Sunday. And, 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 and we, were, we were filled. There was a promise to us because we were dirty and we were shameful and sinful and immoral and godless and hated. And we were disgusting. And I'm going to read the scripture to you. There's hope in the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 says, The time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Anyone here was ever in darkness and despair? Isaiah prophesied it into your life before you even saw your life. That darkness in your life and that despair in your life. Come on, church. It will not live forever. And then it goes on to name the certain lands of Israel during the times. And these lands will be humbled. And there will be a time in their future which lies along the road. And then he goes on that they will be filled with glory. They... They are sucky, they are dirty, they are sinful, but one day glory will live inside of them. And you read this and say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 2. The people who walk in darkness, they will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness. Anyone here? Huh? A light will shine. You will enlarge the nation. And its people will rejoice. They, they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors that divide the plunder. Verse 4, you will break the yoke of slavery. Slavery of what? Isaiah saying the slavery of sin. You will break the yoke and you will lift the heavy burden from the shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. You will break Satan's yoke just as you did when you destroyed the armies. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war, love this, will all be burned. Listen, Isaiah saying this, there will be a time where there will be no more war. Where you will take off your garments stained with blood from war. And you will take off the warrior's boots and you will throw them in the fire. Because no longer will war live inside of you. But there's going to be a peace that will overwhelm God's people. And Isaiah is prophesying this to us. And then he gets down to the nitty gritty. I want this. I want to be broken from slavery. I want my darkness to leave. I want to be humbled and filled with glory. I want a great light to shine from me. I want to enlarge the people. I want to be like a warrior dividing the good. I want to break this yoke and break the burden off my shoulders. And, he, I, and, and, and he, Isaiah says, you want this? You want this? Look at verse 6. For a child is born and a child is given and the government will rest on his shoulders. And this child will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. You need a miracle. I know a Savior. I know a Son. And his name is Jesus, Isaiah said. Guys, I don't know if you're catching this. I'm not sure if you're getting this. The greatest stage that has ever been set is the one that God has set for us. It's the one that, that listen, it was one where the hopeless could find hope. It is one where the hurt could find healing. It is one where the
where the sick could find the cure. It is one where the pain can find their comfort. It is the one who is in war could find its peace. It's the one who is in hatred could find its love. It's where the sinner can find the Savior, the stage of the coming, and the only Son of God. For He is wonderful counselor. For He is mighty God. For He is everlasting Father. For He is Prince of Peace, our Son, our Child. He is alive. He is born. And His name is Jesus. The ultimate stage has been set. Christ took the role. Played it better than any of us could have ever played it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Because the true meaning of Christmas is this. He came to us so that we could get to him. Merry Christmas. The child has been given. Our Savior, our Lord, Jesus was given to us. He lives. Church, the boy lives. The boy lives. Elisha, my son is dead at home. Abraham, God, my son is going to die. Nobleman, come back. My son is dead at home. Mary and John looking at Jesus on the cross. Mary, my son is dead. The promise that Gabriel and God gave me in a manger when my son was alive, when my, father, my husband was alive. Why would God take away my son at such a young age? He was only in his early 30s. And there's God on the cross. There's Jesus dying on the cross. And he looks at his mother and says, Mother, son, son, mother. It's got to happen. And Jesus dies and Satan thinks he won and out of hell rejoices with all its demons. Ha, ha, ha. God, you would have never won but something Sunday. And it's that the boy never dies, church. The true meaning of Christmas is this. The boy is alive. Shoot at my woman. The boy is alive. Listen to me. Noble man, the boy is alive. Abraham, the boy is alive. Mary, the boy is alive. Church, the boy is alive. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. The boy is alive. And you can clap and you can smile. You can say that was a good preaching. But is the boy alive in your heart? He's alive. Live like he's alive. Give like he's alive. Love like he's alive. Dance like he's alive. Smell like he's alive. Treat people like he's alive. Walk like he's alive. Some of you come in and worship like he's dead. Some of you live like he's dead. Some of you are married like he's dead. Some of you are raising children like he's dead. The boy is alive. <laughs> he's alive. I'm preaching as a dying man to dying people. He's alive. We could read, what a Christmas we have on Tuesday. What a noche buena we have tomorrow. That we could say, he's alive. The boy's alive. Comforter. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Eternal father. He's alive. Merry Christmas. 
The stage has been, has been, the stage has been set. He lives. He lives. How can you not in return set the stage for him? The boy lives. The boy lives. The boy lives. So you live as if the boy lives. Remember? Oh, Jesus. The Shunammite woman never left her house preparing for a funeral. She left the house preparing for a boy to live. How'd you leave your house this morning? I hope it's knowing that the boy lives. How are you leaving church today? The boy lives. How are you looking at your spouse today? The boy lives. How are you looking at your walk with Jesus today? The boy lives. If you guys could get that the boy lives, amen. Can you guys stand with me? Hallelujah. You guys want to sing a song of worship? Oh, man, he lives. God. All right, we'll close off. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We set the stage because he lives. Thank you, Lord. The greatest Christmas message we could ever hear is that he lives. The son, like Isaiah prophesied, has been given to us. And he lives. Father, I thank you for setting the stage so that the son lives. And today I could say that the sun lives when I was dark, when I was in sin, when I was nasty, when I was destroyed and brought down. I thank you because you brought the sun to live. Thank you because he lives. Church, there's a promise for you today. I don't know if you got the message or not, but the promise is this. The sun lives. Let him grow in you. Let him grow on you. Change the world for Jesus. He lives. Lord, thank you for this season of Christmas as a reminder that you've been given to us and you live. We worship you today. We praise you today. Transform our lives here today. In the mighty, in the holy name of Jesus. Bless our time with our families tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon, and Sunday all day with our families, loved ones, that we would be able to celebrate that Jesus lives. The son lives. The boy lives. We thank you for setting the stage, and in return, we set the stage in return for you. Be glorified during this season. Be glorified throughout this week. Put a fire deep within us. We praise you and we worship you. And church where you're at, can you give God some glory, some honor, some praise.